Spirit, come. Oh, Spirit, come. Move in this place. Have your way in this place, Lord. Have your way in this place. God, we know that you are in this place. God, you said where two or more gathered, there you are in their midst. God, you said that you would inhabit the praises of your people. So, God, we thank you for being here, Lord. Feel it in my bones, you're about to move. Feel it in the wind, you're about to ride in. You said that you would pour your spirit out. You said that you would fall, sons and daughters. So come.
right where you stand. Open your hearts to him. Open your hearts to his spirit. Let him move. Don't push against his move. Let him move. Father, we welcome you, Father. Have your way in this place.
and say, oh, just to dwell in your house. Spend my hours and my days on you. Tell me what moves you. Tell me what moves you. Just tell me what moves you. Just tell me what moves you. Just tell me what moves you. Tell me what moves you. Your constant 
says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to take communion, but before we do anything, before we do anything, before we have any distractions, the Bible says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty, will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So I want to go into that one more time and, and, and with that I want to really focus I want to focus our attention on Jesus I want to focus our attention on really reflecting in our heart because the reality of it is man is is communion we're not going to just do communion flippantly this is not just another ordinance of the church that we just come in and we just do the supplements and, and, and the sacraments but 
But man, this is a holy moment. I said, this is a holy moment. This is a time when we reflect on what Jesus did because, listen, Jesus paid the price in order for us to have communion with God. Jesus paid the price in order for us to have fellowship and our identity to be found in Him. So this is not a flippant moment. This is not just something to feel service. This is not just something we do every month. But this is a holy moment. And as they go back, as the, as the choir goes back and we sing again, let's take this time and really reflect. Take this time and pour out your adoration. Come on, choir. Take this time and pour out your adoration and your affection on Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God, we worship you. Yes. Yes. Our affection. Our adoration. Oh, yes, God. We pour it out on you, God. Come on, church. Yes, God. Jesus, Forgive us. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for a lack of our time. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for selfishness. Our affection, our devotion, pour out on the feet of Jesus. Our affection, our devotion, pour out on the Jesus, our affection, our devotion, pour out on the feet of Jesus, our affection, our devotion, pour out on the feet of Jesus, our affection, our devotion, pour out on the Jesus, our affection, our devotion, pour out on the feet of Jesus. We love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one. You are the one. Now, of me do this in remembrance of me in remembrance of the sacrifice that he paid in remembrance of the bridge that he made in order for us to walk in our identity that is found in him that he renewed and reconciled the relationship between man between humanity and creator the bible says in luke chapter 22 verse 14 when the hour came Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired. He's desired. Jesus desires for communion with us. Jesus desires. I've eagerly desired for fellowship. I've eagerly desired for kononias. I've desired to have time and spend time with you. He said, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
Oh God, I don't want to rush through this time, God. This is not just a filler, God. But Lord, that we reflect on the suffering. But God, that we reflect on the time in order that you bridge the gap between humanity and Creator, God. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom. And this is the part where it gets good. And he took the bread and he gave thanks. And he broke it. And he gave it to them. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it away. And he took the bread. He gave thanks. And he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus' body was beaten and broken so that we can have fellowship with God. Jesus bridged the gap between humanity and creation, creator so that we can have relationship with God and our identity. We can walk in a new identity. We can walk in the way that we created to do. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you that you made a way, that you sent your son to die on the cross, that we could walk in redemption, that we can walk in freedom, God. Lord, I pray that you bless this time together. God, we do this in remembrance of you, Jesus. We do this in remembrance of the covenant you made with humanity. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the covenant. This is the cup in the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The blood, by no other name can men be saved. It's the blood of Jesus that brings reconciliation. It's the blood of Jesus that brings freedom. It's the blood of Jesus that brings redemption. Oh God, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you that you shed your blood. The life is in the blood. And you gave us life by shedding your blood. And we honor you for that. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup together. Yes, Lord. We're going to pray this morning. As the ushers pick up the cups, um, we're going to throw the slide up on the screen. And this morning, you know, at Life Church, we believe in prayer. It's our identity. It's what we where we see God move. We see things happen. And so this morning, the prayer points that we have, we're going to pray for youth, teachers, and the next generation. Church, how many of you know that the next generation is carried by our prayers? Amen. Come on, do you believe that? The next generation is carried by our prayers. So we're going to pray for the next generation. We're going to pray for our church family here, individuals represented at life, maybe those who aren't here. And we're also going to pray for church ministries represented at Life Church. Are you ready to pray this morning? God, we just come before you and we pray for the next generation. God, we lift up the teachers that have to go through what they go through at school. God, we lift up these individuals that are that are trying to teach these kids, that are trying to be give give light to the next generation. God, we pray you give the school board members as we get ready for midterms and elections. God, the election of the school board makes a difference because of the curriculums that are placed, because of the things that are instituted in the schools. God, we pray wisdom. We pray a moral stature would be lifted, God. 
Lord, Father, we pray for this next generation. We pray for the youth, God. We lift them up. God, we pray that you would birth a remnant. You would birth a remnant, God. You would birth a Micaiah that would come out of the next generation. Lord, that would stand for truth and speak righteousness, God. We pray in the name of Jesus teachers at life that, that teach children and youth, God, and tweens. We pray an anointing over them. We pray a blessing over them. God, we hold up the next generation. We lift up the next generation and we believe that you're going to pour out your glory. We come against identity issues. We come against identity disinformation. We come against identity dysphoria in Jesus' name. And we ask you to bring freedom. That this generation would walk in the identity of being sons and daughters of Jesus. That they don't, lie, they don't believe the lie of society. But they can walk in the identity that they are his. In the identity that they are sons and daughters of Jesus. We're going to pray for individuals, members of life. Maybe just lay your hand on your shoulder of somebody next to you. Maybe you know of individuals going through things. And we're going to lift up our church right now. God, we lift up our church family right now. There are individuals going through all types of issues, God. Whether it be sickness, whether it be financial, whether it be whatever it may be, God. You are the resolution, God. You are the way, God. We pray that you touch the sicknesses in this place this morning. God, we pray you move in power in this place this morning. God, heal the sicknesses. Heal the situations. God, you are the great physician. Bring healing. Bring restoration. God, bring healing to the people here. That we can lift one another up as brothers and sisters in the Lord. That we can lift each other up and carry each other's burdens, God. That we can walk together and carry each other's burdens. Oh, Father, let's pray for the ministries represented at Life Church. While we're laying hands on each other, while we're bounded together as a church, let's lift up our ministries. God, we pray for the children's ministry. God, we lift up the youth ministry, the tweens ministry. God, we pray for the life group leaders. We pray for the preaching ministry. God, every single ministry that takes place here at Life Church, Lord, we lift it up and we give it to you, God. We ask you to expand it. We ask you to give the leaders creative ideas. We ask you to give the people creative ideas to start new ministries to be used and to be uh, used in your kingdom and in your goodness God we just thank you God we glorify you for all that you're doing we give you honor Lord that your hand is upon our church that your presence is upon our people God and we thank you and in the mighty name of Jesus we ask these things and we all agree by saying amen 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 why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Just tell somebody hello, turn to them, and say welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You guys did a great job. want to welcome everyone watching by live stream. We're glad you joined us on the internet, the worldwide internet. And we also want to welcome everyone who is here in service this morning. Listen, we're so glad you decided to be with us. You're so, we're so glad you decided to join us.
If this is your first time with us, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and I'm so glad you're here with us. And if this is your first time with us, we want to connect with you. And so we'd ask that you take out your cell phone. You can text the word welcome to 337-317-4123. And this is our ability to be able to connect with you. You'll get a link where you can fill out a digital connect card and we can get your information and we can follow up with you and help you find your place in our church and in the kingdom. Also, for our regular attendees, you can text the word CONNECT to that same number, 337-317-4123. We're trying to build our data system. We want, we want everybody to be connected. This is our way that we can keep you up to date on what's going on at church. We can let you know uh, if maybe... I don't know. Maybe you want a million dollars. No, I don't know. I don't know why we would text you that, but you won't get a text from us by that. But uh, just to keep you updated on everything that's going on, everything that's happening at Life Church, God's on the move, and we want you to be in the know. Because listen, when the when the pillar of cloud moved and the fire moved, the people had to be willing to move with God. Amen. Hey, so text that number. The Israelites. That's what happened. That's why they stayed in the desert because they didn't text the number. So text the number. You don't want to get left in the desert. And also. Uh, we believe in prayer. Listen at Life Church. We want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. We want to stand and pray with you. So text prayer to that same number, 337-317-4123. And you'll get another link. You fill out your prayer request and we can be standing. And we want to know, man, when God does something, we want to hear testimonies because we've seen God move and we know that heaven's ear is turned towards us. Amen. You believe that? Heaven's ear is turned towards us, and we want to celebrate with you when God moves in your life. All right, I do have one announcement. I thought there was two, but I guess I forgot to take my memory medicine this morning. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's the problem. The doctor gives me memory medicine. I forget to take it. No, I'm kidding. I'm too young to be on medication. I'm not on medication. I just drink a lot of coffee. And Jesus, <laughs> that's the problem. Hey, speaking of coffee, next Sunday is our coffee and fellowship. So you'll want to come early. Uh, that starts at 945. You'll want to come early. Grab a cup of coffee and grab a, a familiar, uh, maybe an unfamiliar face. Connect with somebody, get to know them, hear their story, telling you, man, it's a great opportunity to get to know somebody, spend some time together. Hey, and everybody loves free coffee. At least I know I do. So, um, all right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. We've got four opportunities for you to give here at Life Church. We've got boxes on the back wall. We've got a text to give feature. We've got a give them feature on our website. And we've also got an app for you to be afforded every opportunity to partner with the Lord in giving. How many of you ready for the word this morning? Oh, come on. Coffee, that's my problem. Josh had enough for all of us. Right? I can tell when he's had coffee. Because, I mean, he's, he's wound up already, but when he gets coffee, man, he's like in overdrive, man, you know. Is that red and green? And, uh, okay. You know what? I, I need my other thing, too. You got that? <laughs> It's a little clicker thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to do that, I know. I'm sorry. 
Thank you very much. I could have put it on for you. I could have helped you put it on. Oh, well, man, I'm good, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You'd have wrapped it around me 14 times. <laughs> and going, is that tight enough? I'll be a real Like, it's not a tourniquet, pastor. man. It's a microphone. Serve the pastor. <laughs> oh, I'm just a little slow this week. But I want to thank you for your prayers this week. Um, uh, the doctor told our family that uh, my heart ablation went well, and I'll meet with him later this week. And um, you know, doing doing good. So anyway, uh, but I want to share a testimony. Um, my wife told me yesterday you need to share that, and I just remembered. So I got points for remembering, baby. <laughs> and um, uh, I had the privilege yesterday of uh, teaching um, uh, the. Uh, annually, I teach an eschatology class for those who are studying to get credentials in ministry. And uh, so I had students, uh, several ad um, adults from all over the state um, yesterday, and I had a, a really, I think, a, 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 a God moment with with, with the young man. Um, he had he came up to me and he says i have to tell you something he said i am so glad i decided not to drop this class and i'm like okay and i said i'm glad you didn't drop it too but you know what's the deal behind it he said well it, it's like the hardest thing that i've ever studied and he said i don't understand 99.9 tenths of it and he said he showed me on a study guide he had got to a certain point and he highlighted the question in yellow and, and said, I'm not doing this. I'm dropping this class. And he threw it down. And that's where he was stopping. And uh, he said, I'll just do it another time. And um, he, I, he, he told me his, his life, a little bit of his life story. And he had a history. But God had delivered him from all those things and and uh, um, through Teen Challenge and a lot of other things. And and he said, uh, but I just decided, you know, uh, I don't need this course. I don't need it. I'll just skip it and maybe do it another time or whatever. And he said, and he, he said, look at the question that I've highlighted in yellow. And it dealt with, in Revelation, they said, what are the chief, uh, the, the chief, um, parts of Revelation, uh, the main parts that in Revelation that John saw, and it dealt with the the, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls or vials. And he said, "Oh, he said, I, I ain't got no time for this stuff." So he threw the thing down. He said, a little while later, his phone rang, and it was his 20-year-old daughter, who's away from God, not serving God in any way, shape, or form, and. He, she began to talk to him and said, Dad, are you aware of stuff that's going on in the world today? He said, well, yeah, I'm aware of stuff. No, she got very specific about things that are happening that have Bible prophecy implications. And she goes, Dad, have you ever read the book of Revelation? She says, I'm reading about the trumpets and the seals and the bowls she said dad that stuff's happening now do you understand any of it can you explain it to me so here was a guy that God had just turned his life around and graciously redeemed 
But he said, I'm not going to do this. And then his lost daughter calls him and says, I'm reading about these trumpets and vials, bowls and seals. And she's, and she's naming all these things that are in the headlines that are taking place around the world that he wasn't even really aware of. And, and he, she said, it's happening now. Do you know anything about this? Can you help me understand any of this? And he realized at that point when he got off the phone, he said, oh my God. I need to know this stuff. My lost daughter is asking me questions about this. And all the people she's hanging around with are, are in the same boat. They're wanting to know what's going on in the world. He said, I need to study this. And so he studied the class and took the class and took the test and passed yesterday. And he said, but I just needed to tell you, he said, this was such an encouragement to me because I saw no need for this. He said, but my lost daughter, who I'm praying to get saved, is having her eyes opened that something's going on in the world that isn't natural. That there's a supernatural climax coming about and she is hungry to know what it means. And she, he said, and what father am I that I would pray for her to get saved and God use this and I'm too tired or too lazy to learn? He said, oh, I'm so thankful that God used that to stir me on. Amen. And so my message this morning comes from that very conversation. And I hope you'll hear my heart on this. And uh, I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 3. That ain't Philippians 3. Here we go. Philippians chapter 3, the first part of verse 10. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Then I'm going to go to the Amplified Bible. Because I want you to hear this. And, and it, Paul says, I want to know Christ... And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Now, if you go on and read the rest of it, it talks about, and that I may also know his sufferings and everything else. But, but look how it, it, this same thing is amplified in the Amplified Bible. And if you don't know what the Amplified Bible is, that means it's amplified. They, they just use additional words to help you broaden or see a bigger picture of what's being said. And it says this, it says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may... that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more completely, and in that same way experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers. I actually got the title of my message this morning from a t-shirt. And this is what it said. It's a hunger thing you wouldn't understand. 
And when I saw it, I said, that's my message title. It's a hunger thing. You wouldn't understand. Now, I want to explain that a little bit. Because that's, I don't know where you get the t-shirt. It's probably, you can find it online. That's where I found it. I mean, I was looking for something about hunger. And that's the first thing that came up. And that was on the front of the t-shirt. So I just copied the picture of the t-shirt. I don't think there's any trademark thing on that. But anyway, I'm going to make a statement. And, I, and, and please hear my heart when I say this. But the greatest problem in the church in America today is that we have lost our hunger for God. So, I'm, you know, they, they always say you have these, um, what's this, you know, I'm going to make a statement, you know, like uh, a, a disclaimer. <laughs> you know, so if, if you are personally content and satisfied this morning in your walk with the Lord, then this message isn't for you. I'm just, I'm just telling you. And you might say, well, you, that's awfully arrogant or prideful. Um, I go back to the title. It's a hunger thing. And if you don't understand that, I can't explain it. Because nothing else matters when you're hungry. I don't know if you've ever really been hungry. We, think, we say things like, Come on, honey, let's go eat. I'm starved. Well, you don't look starved. I don't look starved. You know, we say, I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. That's gross. <laughs> you know? No, we, we, we really don't know hunger. In, in the physical sense, some people have gone through difficult times. Um, but in the church, there is a hunger. It's eating away in people, but they don't even know what, what it is. They, they're waiting for someone to come up with the magical formula or method or program or something that's going to fill them. Years ago, there was a commercial uh, by Andy Griffith for Ritz crackers. Some of you may be old enough to remember this. And he would say, on the commercial, he'd say, here you go, what are you hungry for when you don't know what you're hungry for? And he'd say, something on a Ritz cracker. You remember that? Anybody remember that? So what are you hungry for when you don't know what you're hungry for? Something on a Ritz cracker. Well, I'm hoping to stir up a hunger of a different kind inside of you this morning. I'm hoping Holy Spirit will do that and stir up a hunger in your heart. Because see, when you pursue God with everything... He will turn to meet you. But I'm going to tell you this. When he does, you'll be ruined by it. Yeah. Yeah. 
because there's no one like him. You'll be ruined. You say, what do you mean you'll be ruined? You'll be ruined by the world's standards. You'll be ruined by religious standards. Because Holy Spirit is doing something and he's taking the stuff that we've been feeding on and causing us to realize it's empty. It brings a fleeting moment of satisfaction, but you walk away from the table empty. The last few days, you know, my wife's been so good and, and waiting on me and helping me and uh, kind of overprotecting me. You know, I drop something on the ground. She goes, don't pick that up. I'll get it. I said, I can get it. She said, going to take me a while to get down there and pick it up. And, um, but uh, she said, what do you feel like eating? And I say, nothing. Are you hungry? Yeah. So what do you want? I don't know. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Somebody goes, I wish you'd quit talking about food right now. I'm hungry. <laughs> well, but really, we've all been there to where you're hungry, but nothing sounds good. So you, you start that thing, you know? I mean, husbands and wives go through this all the time. Where you want to go? To eat. I don't know, something different. Well, how about this? No. Then where do you want to go? I don't know. And then, you know, you start this thing back and forth. You know, you, so like one of my friends, my, my dear friend Gary said, his wife one night said, I want to go someplace we haven't been in a long time. He said, how about the kitchen? It's not where they went, I guarantee you. Because <laughs> I asked him, I said, what happened? He said, we went out to eat. I said, and you paid the bill, naturally. <laughs> and, uh, but we get that place. We're hungry, but we're not, we don't know, nothing sounds good. Because my wife went down the list. She goes, well, I've got some soup, I've got this, I've got this. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I haven't eaten bread, rice, potatoes, or anything like that sugar, processed foods or anything for like two months. And then one night I sat there and I said, I want pancakes with wild Maine blueberries, which were in my freezer. And, and I said, in the huckleberry syrup that my daughter bought me for Christmas. And so I've had pancakes twice this week. Not because they're good for you, because it's the only thing that sounded, you know, decent. But you know what? I ate them, they tasted good, but it still left me hungry. And you just have to forgive me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to feel my way through where I'm at. So I look up the word hunger. And somebody's thinking, you really got to look up the word hunger? Dude, when your stomach's going, I remember one time I used to wear my microphone way down here, 
And one time in service, I heard people looking around like this. Is that another church? And my stomach was growling, and it was picking it up. And every once in a while, people were hearing. And my wife said, did you hear that growl? I'm like, no, we're demons in the church. What was that, you know? So then I finally figured it out, and I moved my microphone back up here. <laughs> and, um, but I looked up the word hunger. And the word hunger is simply defined as the discomfort, weakness, or pain caused by a prolonged lack of food to have a strong desire or craving. Notice something. There's two different parts to that. And the first part is a discomfort, weakness, or, or, or pain caused by a prolonged lack of food doing without or the other one is to have a strong desire or craving. So one is being without food for extended period of time or without something for an extended period of time. And the other one is not doing without necessarily, but it's having a strong desire or craving for something else. So you could be eating something else, but you're, you need something. Like if you just eat sugar food... You may fill your stomach up, but your body's craving healthy food. And so there's a hunger factor there, even though you're eating something. So I began thinking about this, and I remember in the psalmist, in Psalm 63, verses 1 through 3, it says, the psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Oh God, you are my God, and early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Better because your loving kindness is better than, my, than life itself and my lips shall praise you. David was a man after God's own heart. But David was hungry for God. Imagine having the title, being a man being after God's own heart, the apple of God's eye, and yet being hungry for him. It struck me that sometimes God allows us to go into the wilderness to cause a hunger and a thirst for him. But let me say something to you. Because the first thing we think about when we think of a wilderness, we think of dry, barren, difficult, struggling times. But can I tell you that the wilderness is not always times of difficulties. Sometimes the wilderness is times of plenty but it's things that cannot satisfy. And it's where the saying comes that good things have become the enemy of the best things. The church in America today, we are so easily satisfied with good things that we don't desire the best anymore. 
we actually settle for generic versus the original. I, I grew up in a time where there was no such thing as generic. I mean, there was like one brand of this and one brand of this or whatever, you know. I mean, now, you know, I mean, it, years ago, you, you go to the grocery store and you'd say, I'm going to get, uh, a, you know, a pound of sugar or whatever. There's like maybe two companies that made sugar. Now you go down the aisle and there's the store-bought Brent label, there's another label, there's this label and this label and this label, or you know, you'd say, I'd go in to get some ketchup and there'd be like two brands. Now there's like 40 different brands and they're all different or whatever to something. The thing is that good things are not always good things when they become the substitution for the best things. We are so satisfied with the things that the world offers that we're no longer hungry, truly hungry for God. Um, it's funny, the things that come to mind when God begins dealing with me th with this. Um, I remember as a kid growing up, I'm the oldest of seven, and so I remember holiday meals, like Thanksgiving or Christmas meal, but Thanksgiving was the big one in my house. Uh, we grew up in a military family, and so many times we were stationed on a military base, and so, I mean, we already got seven kids, but my mom, many times my dad was gone overseas during those times, and so my mom would reach out to servicemen and women that were on the base who couldn't go home for Thanksgiving and she would invite them in. So we'd have a house full of people, you know. And my mom had this huge, what they called a harvest table. I had two big leaves on each side and she would set that whole thing up with like a gazillion tons of food, you know. And then there'd be food in the kitchen going all the way down the counters. And, and uh, I remember the best part was just like, you know, I tell all my brothers and sisters, get behind me, I'm first, I'm the oldest. You know, and I'd go in and I'd pile my plate. I mean, there was, you know, it was like, how much can you get on a plate and how high can you stack it? And, uh, and because I wanted to go back for seconds. And you just stuff yourself. And you think, and, and, how, and you've done this, I guarantee you, most of you have done this. And you've feasted until you think, I can't eat another bite. It's like here. Am I right? But about 30 minutes later, all of a sudden, you're like, I got a hankering for something, a bite of something. And I remember circling the table. Well, it looks good. And my mom would say, what are you doing? I want a little something. She says, you've had a ton of a little something. And I said, but I'm just looking for a little something more. It's like you got 
room for this one little spot or something, but you don't know what will go there, you know, but you'll, when you see it, you'll kind of know, you know, whatever, you know, you're looking for something that's kind of like dislodged or lost, and you can just kind of just swoop it up and throw it in, yeah, that's what I wanted, you know. And then 30 minutes, an hour goes by, and all of a sudden you're kind of, they're putting up the leftovers, and you're like, wait, wait, you're putting the food up already? Yeah, we're putting the food up, you know, well, wait a minute, let me look, you know. And, and, and then you take like 30 minutes looking. And the reason is because you're full. But there's a little space of something that you're craving. That's the thought that came to mind yesterday. Because the church comes in full of everything else. But they're craving something. And they're willing to give God that little space. And we can sing our songs. And we can, we can do everything else and say, God, we're hungry for you. We're hungry for you. We're hungry. But to be honest, we've been feasting on everything the world offers. Everything else that's out there. And we're really not hungry. We're just Got a hankering for a bite of something. And then we'll say, I didn't get anything out of that message this morning. Pastor doesn't know how to feed us. You feed babies who can't hold the spoon. Adults should be able to feed themselves. You just have to forgive me. I'm just very emotional this morning. And we somehow want to circle like the spiritual table that's been set that morning or that evening or whenever we have our meeting. And like, hmm, let me see, what is it that I want? And then we say, I'm hungry, God. I'm hungry. See, the, the problem with settling for the good instead of the best is because everything in our lives should flow out of the best. Whether we're feeding the poor or we're teaching children or we're in worship or ministry or anything else, it should be an outflow of our relationship with him. And it's not for him, but it's from him. It is so easy to be religious and never be spiritual. Now, some of you are thinking, I've got to think about that one. Well, let me help you a little bit. Because religious is knowing about him. Spiritual is actually knowing him. Jesus prayed. He said, I pray that, Father, that they may know you as I have known you. There is a knowing factor that God is waking up 
inside his people today. That's what's waking up. There's, there's this desire to know him. We've had a desire to be known. He already knows us. And we, in, 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 there's this kind of strange way that the church puts forth this idea of making a name for oneself. And yet John said, I must decrease and he must increase. In other words, my name is nothing. His name is everything. And if I'm going to be successful, then I'm, I'm, I'm just going to disappear from the scene because he, it's all about him. I'll give you an example in the natural, for example. A husband and a wife who are married. They could be married for years. They can do things for each other and all the while not be in love. I can't tell you how many people I've counseled over the years and they'll say, we're not in love with each other. We've stayed together because of the kids. Or we've stayed together because of the benefits on their job. Or we've stayed together. In other words, they're doing the things necessary, but there's no love. And that's not what marriage is about. That's not what that relationship is all about. And so the question before you today and the question before me today is, do we want what God can do for us or do we want him? I have to tell you that, honestly, in the last several months, I've been looking at a lot of the songs that have come into the church realm. And there is, seems to be, in my perspective, my opinion, an inordinate amount of, of uh, attention of the words of songs drawn about us rather than him. Now I understand that there's songs that we sing, you know, and, and, and that, you know, that explain, Lord, we, our, our desires for you, we long for you, things like that. But there's a lot of songs where the main focus, almost a, all of the song is about what we want, 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 what we want. And, and I'm like, Oh, wait a minute, something's wrong here. I said, it needs to go back. It's all about him. Amen. It's all about him. He is my rock. He is my shelter. He is my anchor in the storm. He is my all in all. He is, he is, he is, he is, he is, he is. It's when, when we can flip that thing around, all of a sudden, we're going to have an awakening. I'm just telling you, there's an awakening. I, I even think that some of the songs, again, this is my opinion, but some of the songs have been written out of a hunger to have that awakening in their lives. The songwriter, I think, is, was at a place trying to figure out what it is, and they've written beautiful lyrics and beautiful melodies and everything else, but what they're really looking for is him. And people say all the time, you know, um, 
of things that they want to do. I've had people tell me, oh, I'd love to learn a second language. Uh, we'll do it. Oh, well, it's hard. Well, but that's no reason not to, if that's what you want, you know. Um, here, I like to lose weight. Do it. Uh, it's hard. I want to start a business. Do it. It's hard. See, people, people are all, all the time saying, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I will never forget years and years ago when my children were still living at home. Uh, every year in the fall, about this time, a year, I would turn to my wife and I would say to her, Oh, if you could just see what the Northeast, what New England is like in the fall. The colors explode. And I would describe it because I, I'm born, I was born in Boston, but I lived almost eight years of my childhood, even though I moved like 20 times before I even graduated high school, but about almost eight years of my life in Massachusetts and New Hampshire, Maine, that area. And so I tell my wife, one of these years, I'm going to take you up there. One of these years, I'm going to take you up there. And you're going to see what I'm talking about. You're going to experience it. And I will never forget my daughter. She's not here. She's upstairs. Don't you tell on me. I know some of you will. But she'll see it later anyway. She watches the videos. And, um, and she put her hands on her hip. And she said, Daddy, just quit lying. I said, what do you mean quit lying? Every year you tell mama the same thing and you ain't never done it. You ain't never going to take her up there. So just quit lying. <laughs> you know, as the dad, I wanted to slap her across the head, you know. <laughs> but she was telling the truth. I said, I'll show you. <laughs> and in two weeks, my wife and I headed to New Hampshire. And every day she would walk out of our room and she would say, Bob, come look. It's like when we go to bed, somebody comes out in the middle of the night and spray paints more color on the leaves. I said, this is what I've been telling you. She goes, I know you describe it, but... I, I never, I can't, the experience of it. You know, after that, every year we went. Every year. We were going to go this year because we hadn't been for the last couple of years because of COVID. And then they told me before my heart um, procedure this week that I had to have a CT scan of my heart and they picked last Thursday to do it. So I said, there goes our trip to Maine. Forget that. <laughs> but I said, but every year we would go. And every year we'd go to a different place and every year she would experience that. And she said, this is just incredible. This is incredible. This is incredible. And, and, and I just say that because a lot of people say, I'm hungry for God. I'm going to go after God. I'm going to do this. 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 But they're not really thinking about doing it. They're not expecting it. And, or they're not really serious because otherwise they would do it. 
After that lesson from my daughter, I, I learned to use that in dealing with other people. One day I had my best friend come to visit from, from another town. He was from West Monroe. We had moved down to Opelousas and we were traveling in ministry and they happened to come through on a day we were home. And he starts telling me all the stuff that he had been telling me for seven years that he was going to do. And I could hear my daughter's voice in my head. And after he got about halfway through all the stuff he was saying, I said, Mike, just quit lying. He said, I'm not lying. I said, you are. You've been telling me the same stuff for over seven years. You're never going to do it. So quit lying or go do it. This was my best friend. He got up and called his wife and said, come on, we need to go home. They left. And I thought, well, there's one less friend. <laughs> you know. He called me a few weeks later and he said, we're on our trip. I said, where are you going? Don't know yet. I'll know when I get there. <laughs> That's the way he was. I'm like, what do you mean? You're on the way, but you don't know where you're going? No, nope, but I know when I get there. But he, he said, but at least I'm doing it. I think some of us need to stand in front of the mirror and say, am I hungry for God? How hungry am I? What are you willing to do to go after God? When we send out invitations for, let's say, a party or a get-together or dinner or something like that, and we ask the person to send an RSVP, and they respond that they re they, they'll, be att they'll attend, when they show up at the door, do you go, oh, wow, I didn't think you were going to come? No. Why? Because we're expecting them to come because they responded that they were going to come, Right? God says, his word says that whenever two or three gather together in his name with the intent and expectation of him being there, he will be there. Do we, when we get together, do we really gather with the intent and expectation that God is going to show up in this place today when we come together? And if he shows up, can we tell you, can I tell you, there's no telling what God is getting ready to do. And we can't program it and you can't, you can't organize it and you can't create it and you're not going to give God a time slot. It's just a matter of understanding that he has said, wherever two or three gather in my name, in other words, I'm gathering there with the expectation that I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. What would happen in a church, in any church, when people got together if they walked in and said, God's coming. God's coming. God's coming. God's coming. Can I tell you that the worship team doesn't have to pump and prime and, and, and do anything that the pat I mean, you, can I tell you from the first get-go, this place would explode. Any place would explode. Why? Because we, we've come with an expectation. Because we're hungry for a move of God. 
I was reminded of a message I preached a few years ago here on this church on a Wednesday. I think it was a Wednesday. It might have been a Sunday. But I, I made this statement and, and I was in a conversation with somebody this week and I was like racking my brain trying to remember the title of the message. Then I remembered it said, contending for a move of God is not easy. You know why? Because you have to be hungry for it. I used to work for a man named Norval Hayes and he used to say, he said, he said that things of God are not just going to drop on your head like ripe peaches out of a tree. He said, you've got to put yourself in the orchard. You've got to have an orchard. You've got to have it planted. You've got to have it watered. You've got to have it taken care of. And then he said, you have to be there when the fruit is ready for the picking. Man, you've got to get ready for it. And, 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 and the, I think the church for too long is sung about revival as if it's some peach out of a tree or plum or cherry or whatever else you may want to put in your spiritual tree or spiritual orchard that somehow God just shakes the tree and revival falls out. Can I tell you where revival starts? It begins right down here when there's a hunger deep inside that says I'm tired of the same old same old. I'm tired of the same thing. You know my, my wife will tell you this. She has, a, she has a sister and her husband and every like Thursday, I don't remember what night it is, She's not in here. She. <laughs> There's a certain night of the week they eat at the same restaurant, eat the same meal every single week for the last 30-something years. Friday night, they're going to this restaurant and they're getting this certain thing and that's all they're getting. Doesn't matter what's on the menu. It's a nice restaurant. They could change it. They got a special. Nope, they're getting the same thing. On Tuesday for lunch, they're going to this place and they're getting the same thing. And it's not changing. That's what they're getting. And it's like, and I said, you know, the church is just like that. People come in and they go, it's Sunday and this is what's going to be on the plate. And this is what we're going to have. And this is what I want. And I don't want anything else. But I'm telling you, I don't know where you are, but there is a hunger that is that's a craving inside of me that is that is that is so stirred up over the last number of weeks and months that I'm like, God, if you don't fix this, if you don't fill this, not fix it, because he's the one that's put it there. If you don't fill it with you, I said, I, I am going to be one miserable person. And I don't know about you, but hanging around with people who are miserable is not fun. Am I right, nurses? <laughs> you know, I hear they're good patients. <laughs> I really wonder how many times they really are, you know. When you're miserable, you're miserable. But I'm like, God, fill this hunger. Fill this hunger. Fill this hunger inside do we really expect God to manifest his presence when we gather together? I don't know about you, but I've come this week with an expectation of the unexpected because God is here. Because he sent out an invitation. 
Jeremiah chapter 29 and 13, it says, Then you will seek me and find me when you search for me with what? All your heart. We want, we want God, we want to find you, but we want, to, we want it to be a part-time effort. We want it to be just like, what am I hungry for when I don't know what I'm hungry for? And God said, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And the problem comes when we hear this invitation by God, we immediately think that we need to do more for God. Please hear me about this. The greatest danger to those that would hunger for God is to try and show their hunger for Him by doing more things for Him. I've had people say, Lord, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to witness more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to volunteer more. I'm going to do this more. I'm going to do this more. I'm going to witness more. I'm going to, 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 I'm going to. Let me tell you something. God is not impressed with our music, our buildings, our efforts. He doesn't really care what you can do for him. Listen now, now listen what I'm saying here. Because yes, we're called to go in his name and do things in his name. But that's not where his focus is. Because why? Because doing things for him requires little change in our lives. But seeking him requires everything. It requires everything. Seek me with all your heart. How many times I've heard people say of another person at a funeral, he or she was a good person. They were always doing something nice for other people. As if at that moment, it's going to make a difference. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 7 verse 22, Jesus says... There will be those that will stand before me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and perform miracles? And Jesus will look at them and say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because Jesus desires intimacy and his people. He desires intimacy with us. Can I tell you something? Old love letters will never do. There's something that you go back and read that you wrote at some moment in, in your relationship or whatever, but they will never replace. They're not a substitute for the person. And a lot of people took it, look at this book as a love letter rather than seeing that it's the revelation of who he is. Who he is, not who he was. And we won't be hungry 
until we taste his goodness. Psalms 34 and 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Psalms 119 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I remember some years ago when I was um, on staff at a church in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And I went fishing with an older gentleman in the church. He could catch soccer lay like nobody you ever saw. I went with him one time in a little flat bottom boat. And he had a little, little tiny motor on the back. But he, he didn't have trolling motors or anything. He had a little paddle that he put in his arm. And he would just do like this in the water. And he had a he had a cane pole with like a six, seven feet of line with a little spinner bait thing on it. And he would put it in the biggest brush pile you ever saw. Most fishermen would avoid those brush piles. And he'd drop it in the biggest mess brush pile and pull, up, pull out the biggest slabs of fish. I went fishing with him one time. We caught 336 sockelet. And I'm talking from like here to here. We filled the whole boat. We caught so many, he called his friend, and his friend came out. We put fish in his boat. Yeah. And that night we were so tired, they iced down all the fish in the boat. And the man was a manager, the, the guy he called was a manager at Winn-Dixie. And they cleaned all the fish the next day, the two men. Brother, almost 90 pounds of filet. I'm thinking, dude, we've racked up. They gave me like a fourth of it. I said, why a fourth? Because we cleaned them. <laughs> they got the rest of it. But he could catch fish. But I remember one time, about halfway through that day, he said, he said, Brother Bob, he said, he said, I'm going take a break for lunch, but you can keep on fishing. I said, well, I'll, I'll, get something. I'll eat something too. And he pulled out a, a little can of Vienna sausages. But he called them Vienna sausages. He said, have you ever had these Vienna sausages? He said, I like these ones, especially the ones in, in the barbecue sauce. Vienna sausages in barbecue sauce. No, he said, the only thing I like better is potted meat. I said, dude, I've seen them make that stuff. You don't want to eat what's in potted meat. He said, oh, I love that. I said, well, how's it compared to a filet mignon? He goes, I don't know, never had one of them. I said, well, how's it compared to like a, a, a New York strip steak? said, man, yeah, I never had one of them. I said, what's the best thing you ever had? He said, buy any sausages and barbecue sauce. <laughs> I said, brother, you ain't never had a desire for like a big ribeye or something like that? No. I said, how can you not have a desire for something like that? He said, I ain't never tasted that. Light bulb went off. And immediately I thought of scripture. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. I said, 
the reason people are they're not hungry for God. They've never tasted of his goodness. They've never seen him in all his glory. Dave said, he said, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire into his temple. He has seen the Lord and he said, and once I saw what he was and who he was and all that he was, that I could not go back. And I remember telling Brother Delon, I said, Brother, let me buy you a steak. He said, I really don't want one. There was no win in that argument. Because he had never tasted it. He had nothing to compare it to. I even said, look, I, I, I'll bet you money if you taste a ribeye steak cooked to however you want, a good one, you'll want that more than those Ieni sausages. He said, how much do they cost? I said, more than those canned sausages? He said, then I'll just stick to the canned sausage. I said, there was another light. People don't want what they've never tasted. And they want it as cheap as they can get it. And going after God will cost you everything. I thought last night, I said, Holy Spirit, it's time that you break our hearts from the things that have seized our passions. And I felt him say, then look in your own heart and look at the things that you give time towards and you will know who rules your heart. And immediately I thought of the scripture in Matthew 6 21 says for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Most people quote that scripture wrong. They usually say where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. No, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. Now, don't go out of here thinking that, that, that mean to go after God means you can't do anything else other than pray and fast and go after God and all that kind of stuff. He's just simply saying there may be needs to be some changes. I remember a column years ago written in the San Francisco Chronicle by a columnist, um, and, and it went like this. i just read it to you, and then we're going to pray. He said, every morning in Africa, a, a gazelle wakes up. It knows it must run faster than the fastest lion, or it will be killed. And every morning a lion wakes up, and it knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle, or it will starve to death. It doesn't matter whether you're a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. <laughs> and then I remembered Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher and orator. He said, if you're not seeking the Lord, the devil's seeking you. And if you're not seeking the Lord, judgment is at your heels. That means in the Christian life, it's not, simply, it's not enough simply just to wake up. We are called to run. And we are called to be more like him. So how does someone go after God? Because that's... First thing is repent. Repent. 
And repentance is not sorrow, that's remorse. Repentance is changing one's way of thinking and bringing it into alignment with God's thinking. And then your actions will follow afterwards. That's what it's all about. It doesn't mean changing your actions. God deals with the heart first. Ezekiel 11 and 19 says, I will give them an undivided heart and I will put a new spirit in them and I will remove them from their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. So we have to repent first. It means change our thinking, put it in alignment with God. God says, if you will seek me with all your heart, I will be found of you. So we've got to decide, what does that mean? Is God really serious when he says, all my heart? What's divided my heart? Is there anything dividing my heart? What changes do I need to make? Because if you're just praying that God make the change, it's not going to happen. He says, I'll do my part if you'll do your part. And the second thing, if we're going to go after God, is you've got to get hungry for him. Remember I talked about the fact that hunger can come from uh, being prolonged, you know, uh, not having food. Or it can be an overwhelming desire or craving. There has, I can't tell you what it how to get hungry for God in your life. It may be that you're feasting on stuff that's keeping you from being hungry for God. And it may be that you're feasting on stuff uh, or, or, or that you just need to change your eating habits altogether. I mean, you know, I love it in America today. <laughs> I mean, you're not eating right. Can I take a vitamin? As if that magic little pill is going to change whatever you need in your body. I'm not against vitamins. I take vitamins. My doctors prescribe them for me, certain ones. But it's not, it's not the replacement for eating healthy. I learned a while back... And he, God reminded me yesterday when that man told me, he said, my daughter who's lost that I've been praying for is calling me going, Daddy, I'm reading in the book of Revelation. And he said, here I am going, it's too hard. I don't want anything to do with it. All of a sudden he realized God's using the very thing that I didn't want to be involved in, that I wanted to drop. He's using that to grab my daughter's attention. And it reminded me that God will not pour out his spirit where there is no desire for him. He will not pour out his spirit where he doesn't find hunger. Because God looks for the hungry. And a lot of times hungry for God means that you're just dissatisfied with the way it has been. Can I tell you that God is so gracious that where he finds us, he, he begins to work with us. And he works with us through seasons of change in our life. I remember years ago, I heard a man say, time is God's way of keeping everything that's going to happen to you in your lifetime from happening all at once. Think about that. I said, thank you, Lord, for time. 
But then God says, okay, this is where I found you. I've delivered you. I pulled you out of the pit. And then he starts walking with us. And then he gets us to a place. And he says, now to go on, we're going to have to make some changes. And he does that. And then he brings us to a place where he says, okay, now the next step, we're going to have to do this. And in and, 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 and each case, he's there with us. But there's seasons. I've had several people in the last few weeks, even this congregation, who have said that God's told us to get ready. We were sensing a season of change, but we were not ready for that change yet because we have to get ready to put ourselves in that place. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it is. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter. He does. He's the one that's doing it. He says, just get ready. You know, you just have to prepare. And, and so sometimes hungry for God just means... That you'll admit that you're no longer satisfied. You are dissatisfied with the way it has been. It was fine over here. But yesterday's manna was for yesterday. And we cannot live on yesterday's experiences. We cannot live on yesterday's manna. We cannot live on yesterday's word. We cannot live on yesterday's prophetic revelation. We cannot live on that. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, and everything in between. He is a living God. He is not the God of the past or the God of tomorrow. He is the God of now. Amen. And we live and breathe. In Him, I live and breathe and have my being. Is, is that really where we're at? Or have we been content to live on this experience or this word or this time or this whatever? And we're... we're I've heard this phrase lately in the secular world, especially in the area of finance. They're talking about all the financial things that are happening in the world. And there's some bad stuff that's going on right now. But they're talking about, they're trying to pull forward the, the things that they've done. They're trying to pull them forward. But can I tell you at some point, there's no more pulling forward because you pulled as far as you can pull from the past and, and now you're, you're coming up empty. And we're facing that in the world right now in the, in the global economic system. We used to say, kick the can down the road. Now they use this phrase, we're pulling it forward, we're pulling it forward, we're pulling it forward. But now there's, it's like it, there's nothing left to pull forward. But we've done that in our spiritual lives. We've, we've gone from here where God did this and then we went from here. And, and we got to a point where to go on from there was uncomfortable. So we just began to try and pull it forward as if it was going to be enough but God is saying are you really hungry for me that's why that t-shirt just spoke to me so much because he said it's a hunger thing you wouldn't understand because I felt like trying today to get up in front of you and tell you what I'm feeling. I felt like trying to say it. You wouldn't understand unless you're there too. See, the average church person is, they're gone already. 
They're trying to beat everybody else to the restaurant. But I woke up in the middle of the night and sensed God in the room. He said, son, I'm about, I'm about to do a major renovation and rearranging in some people's lives. Because they're like, I can't live anymore like it's been. Not that the past has been bad. Not that the past wasn't good or that it wasn't God. But I cannot live with that as my future, as my present. I am so hungry for a move of God in this generation, for this moment, for this time. And it cannot look. In fact, I heard someone this week say, you'll never go back to the way it was. Nothing ever goes back to the way it was. We can sit here and say, if we can elect the right people, we can go back to the way it was. Can I tell you, America has changed and it has moved and it has completely changed. And the idea that one day somehow we can get our country back to where it was. God isn't interested in going back to where it was. He says it's time to go forward into what it's supposed to be but he can't do it with those who sit back and dream and swap stories of the way it was they're willing to step up and say God I'm so hungry for you I don't care what it takes I don't care what changes have to be made I don't care Lord if I have to burn bridges in relationships if I have to walk away because they don't understand I just know I am hungry for you it's a hunger thing and immediately I thought of the the, the movie, the books, and everything else. The Hunger Games. And I thought, yeah, that's the church. We're playing games. Hunger Games. But God says no. Son, he said, I will find those who are hungry. When I was a kid, in the schoolyard, there was always a bully or somebody who would like trying to change the way things were or whatever and they would get up and they would challenge you out in the schoolyard usually during recess and when they when 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 if they found somebody who would kind of bow up you know against them they'd say they draw a line across the dirt with their foot and then they'd step back and they'd go, I dare you step across that line. And almost inevitably, whoever it was that was challenging that person that drew the line would step back. And I remember in second grade, I lived in New Hampshire, Hampton, New Hampshire. And this one guy, he, he called me out. I was the biggest second grader there was. I was four foot seven in the second grade. He said, I dare you step across that line. And I looked at that line and I looked at him. I said, I can take you. And I stepped across that line. 
And he goes, whoa. He said, I was just playing. I said, I'm not. He said, man, we're all right. We're cool. And he just went, took off. And I turned around to all my friends. I said, it's good now. It's changed. And they all stepped across the line. And that bully was gone. And you know what? I just feel like Holy Ghost is doing this right now. I said, I challenge anyone who's ready to see what I am able to do and willing to do if they'll get hungry for me. Will they step across that line? Will they step across that line? See, he's not, God's not a bully. But he's throwing down the challenge. How hungry are you? How hungry are you? Right now, in the next few moments, that line's been drawn. I'm already on this side. Because I'm hungry for God. Who's hungry for God? How hungry are you? How hungry are you? Are you willing to... Come on. Come on. relationship with Jesus come on come on I'll meet you right here come on come on come on this is your time now your time with him right now come on how hungry are you how hungry are you are you going to sit there and live with the craving or are you going to let him fill it? Are you going to make room so that he can come and fill it? Will you be able to be the one who says, Oh, taste and see, my friend, that the Lord, he is good. I've seen him in his sanctuary. I've seen him in his glory. John said, We beheld his glory. He wrote to him years later in his later writings. He said, We saw him. We still remember our lives were changed from that this is an earth shaking shattering moment in many of your lives right now this is this is God working in you this is God doing this it's this is not a one-off thing. It's not like, okay, we, we had this altar call thing. No, this is not an altar call kind of thing. It's you and God right now saying, God, I'm hungry. I'm, I've got a craving inside that is you, that only you can feel, Holy Spirit. I, I, what has been, has been wonderful. What is, is beautiful. But 
God, I can't live on that. I won't live on that. I will not be satisfied with just that. God, I am hungry for you. I cannot fill you with generic things. I cannot fill that hunger with artificial things. I cannot fill that hunger with programs and other times. Lord, I want you. I want to know you. Experience you, Lord God. Come on, come on, just a few more minutes. Come on, press in. Press into him. Press in. Tell him. Pour out your heart. How hungry are you? How hungry are you? How hungry are you? How hungry are you? How hungry are you really for God? There's a because I'll tell you this, when you know how much God loves you, you'll seek Him and never stop. There is a revelation of God taking place in your lives today. He's revealing Himself to you in a way that will change you from like from, from this moment on. There, there's no going back. When, when that hunger factor gets met, when he says, here I am. I mean, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration and those disciples saw him and they said, it is good that we're up here. Oh, yeah. But they never forgot it. They never forgot that moment. And I'm telling you, this, this day, go home and write it down. Put it in your phone. Put it on the calendar of your phone. And just say, it was on this day. And every year it's going to pop up and go, this is the day. I said, I was so hungry for God. I was, I'm thirsting for God. I'm like, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you, oh God. Jesus. Jesus, Sheila Baba Bakusanala. There's a hunger and a thirst, and I am desperate. Immerse me, and I'm not waiting, not anymore. I need you. Are you really desperate? Immerse me. I'm not waiting. I'm not putting it off not anymore. anymore. I'm not waiting for another Sunday I or another Wednesday you, or another Lord. church service I'm or another conference. And I am desperate 
He must me And I'm not waiting Not anymore I need you, Lord 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 pray right now as a group of believers together can we pray for our city and surrounding area for every church because there is an awakening taking place whether the pulpits and leadership recognizes it or not but there is an awakening in the hearts of people they don't know. It's like they're trying to figure it out. It's, I remember John Osteen said years ago, he said, it's like being a blind dog in a meat house. I can smell it, and I'm a-leaping and a-snapping, but I can't quite get a hold of it yet. But I believe there's hungry people all over this city and surrounding area. And they're coming into churches like this and they're walking back out and they're still hungry. God's word says, those that hunger and thirst shall be filled. I believe that there will be divine awakenings, divine interventions in people's lives. It's happening around the world. Why can't it happen here? In Iran, in Iraq, they have Muslims who are having dreams and visions. They say a man showed up and told me to come to this place. I met a man has a church in Syria, which is illegal. They have a compound there. And every day when they go out to the gates, there's dozens of people, Muslims, standing outside the gates, hoping someone will come to the door. And when they asked them why, they said, because I, I dreamed last night. Or a man came into my room last night, dressed in white, and told me to come here and that the answer that I was looking for I would be told when I got here and though he said there's dozens every single day every single day and his compound is right around the corner from the place where Saul had his Damascus experience. And I say, God, if you can do that with Muslims, why can't you do that in America with people who profess to be Christian? He said, because you're not praying and asking me to awaken their hearts. They're asleep. Awaken them. Ask me. It's almost like God said, 
I double dog dare you to ask me. How many think God can do that? I mean, I heard it yesterday. A 20-year-old daughter who's on drugs and living wild and everything, calling her dad about the book of Revelation. I just think there's hundreds of thousands of those waiting to take place. Let's pray right now. Father, we lift up every church in this area, Lord. We pray for a, an awakening to break forth in the pews, from the pulpits to the pews, from the pews to the pulpits, Lord God, uh, from the lobbies, Lord God, from small groups. That there's just a hunger, somebody somewhere who's willing to speak up and go, I can't take this anymore. I'm so hungry for something that's real, something that's it's genuine and God you reach down and you pour yourself into their life and immediately God they find others who have the same heart cry They're with us. God I just believe this is the time of shaking a time of an awakening that is to take place to usher in a great move of God we pray this, Lord, all across Acadiana, across this whole area, Lord God. Across our state. Let it be heard that in the state of Louisiana, that God has broke out. That God has stepped down from his throne. That God has stepped out. And there is an awakening taking place. Father, I pray for the ministers and those who fill the pulpits, who, God, that they would suddenly have an awakening that God, in, even in midst of their sentence, in the middle of their sentence, they, are, they would stop and realize that the words that they're speaking are not words of life, but they're just words of, like, baby formula it's just it's pablum it's not it's not feeding it's not touching it's not it's not meeting the cry for the hungry Jesus can we sing that one more time there's a hunger and a thirst come on oh, yeah. come on let's sing it together one more time oh there's a hunger and a thirst. I am desperate. Immerse me. And I'm not waiting. Not anymore. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. There's a hunger. I am desperate. He must me. And I'm not waiting. Not anymore. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, 
hunger Jesus. To hell and a thirst And I am desperate Immerse me And I'm not waiting Anymore Jesus I need you Lord I need you situation this morning we could change one word in that last part instead of saying I can't stay here anymore I won't stay here anymore I'm not staying where I'm at I'm, I'm not going to be satisfied to stay I, I, I won't stay here because see I've had people say I can't take it anymore but they just stand there and take it no I won't take it anymore I'm moving on I'm moving on. How many of you are ready to move on? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Not another service, not another event. Not, I mean, those things are fine, but it's about Him. It's about Him. Knowing Him, knowing Him, knowing Him, knowing Him. Get ready. He's going to blow your socks off. He's going to show himself to you in ways you never even knew. And you will sit there and go, my, my, my. All this time, I did not know. 
I did not know. God, we love you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the people you bring in our lives. And thank you for the events. And we thank you for what you have done. And we thank you for what you are doing. But God, we will not remain static. We will not remain stationary. Father, as you move, we're following after you. We're going after you. We're seeking you. Because God, nothing else can satisfy like Jesus. We praise you this day. Now, Holy Spirit, your people, do your work in them as you know how to do. For the glory of his name, I pray. Amen and amen and amen. If you need special prayer for anything, turn to somebody right next to you and say, I need special prayer and let them pray for you. Oh, but I thought, Pastor, you're supposed to pray for us. <laughs> what? <laughs> 